The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. As Jesus got into a boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a violent storm came up on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by waves, but he was asleep. They came and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. He said to them, Why are you terrified, O you of little faith? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. The men were amazed and said, What sort of man is this whom even the winds and the sea obey? The Gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning and happy Independence Day. With our first reading, uh, we don't know why Lot's wife looked back. But when I think about this reading on Independence Day, it makes me think that she loved her country. The tradition would have it that she was from Sodom. She was not uh, an Israelite. And she loved her country and she couldn't not think about it. And of course we don't know the answer to that, but it made me think, as Catholics, how are we supposed to love our country? Well, luckily, Aquinas has kind of helped us answer that question. We worship God, but through the virtue of piety, we love our parents and our country. God uses our parents and country as sources to help us live. That structure is from God. God provides that structure for our livelihood. And so we do love our country. As I was thinking about this more, trying to, you know, really try to get a handle on this, this love, I couldn't help but think of John Paul II because he clearly loved Poland. He would, he would talk about his love for Poland. And in just digging into that a little bit, I ran across the day he was, uh, became the Pope. He wrote a letter to his countrymen basically saying, I'm not coming back as a bishop. I, I, I'll be here for the rest of my life as Pope. And he had really one telling thing. He kept telling them about love of country and his countrymen, the unity he had with his countrymen and the love he had for them. But in the letter, he said, as a final kind of warning, he says, and, and remember in 1978, Poland was uh, under communist rule, he said, oppose everything that conflicts with human dignity and degrades the morals of a healthy society that may sometimes threaten its very existence and the common good. He said, resist that and rely on our faith, our church, to lead us through troubled times. Well, 
I couldn't help but think of all of this as I said, well, we, we need to get back to the story of Lot and what's happening with Sodom. These aren't readings that we get into very much. Um, actually, what happened in Sodom with the two angels is something we really don't cover ever in our liturgical uh, journey through the Bible. And so, just as a, a to reiterate what's already happened to drive Lot and his wife and the angels to push them out of Sodom before it's destroyed, the two angels have met with Abraham. Actually, there were three. Uh, many people would say that looks like the Trinity. One stays back talking to Abraham, and two of them go to Sodom. And they're going to spend the night in the square, but Lot convinces them that that's not very safe. And so they go into his home where he washes their feet and breaks bread with them. Well, as it turns out, the men of the town um, have really bad thoughts about what they're going to do with these uh, two strangers. They're so focused on sexual intimacy that they demand that Lot throw the two men out. And Lot refuses. And ultimately, it is a battle at the door, and the angels say, Lot, take your wife and your daughters and leave. And so then here we are reading this story. A very similar reading happens in the book of Judges at the very end. Uh, it's so similar that you can't help but miss it. It's at the very end of the book of Judges, and if you don't remember the book of Judges, this is the time after Joshua has died. They've just entered the Promised Land, and there's a period of three to four hundred years that God raises up people, countrymen, to lead them, to save the country. I couldn't help but think of John Paul II. That's pretty much what happened. He became Pope and Poland was saved. But that being outside the point of this. So here we are in the book of Judges and we have great, Samson is in there, Gideon, just phenomenal stories of God raising up people to save the country. Well, you get to uh, chapter 19, and many sources will say this is the most troubling reading in all of Scripture, 19 through 21. It's very much like the destruction of Sodom, but there's no destruction. And Israel becomes worse and worse and worse through these last three chapters what I've read, it says it was a total spiritual and societal breakdown within Israel. Complete breakdown. I won't go into the details. You should read this. I sat there at the end of the book of Judges, and I'm like, wow, what a terrible ending. What a terrible ending of this book of Judges for Israel. The very last line of the book of Judges says, 
In those days, there was not a king in Israel. Every, everyone did whatever was right in their own eyes. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. It was really lawlessness. People, whatever they thought was right, they did, and it was terrible. I sat there, and I, I'm reflecting a little bit on our country, and it's kind of a sad moment. But the Bible has a wonderful way of reminding you who's in charge. So here I, and you do the same thing with your Bible, just open it up and go to the end of Judges, and you're thinking about how terrible it is, and right there on the very next page is the book of Ruth. Well, the book of Ruth is the start of King David. Ruth was the great-grandmother of King David. Lawlessness, horrible plight of Israel, and we see there was no king, and so what does God do? He raises up a king, and we start to read about the fabulous story of God preparing King David, who would be the lineage that Jesus will come to us from. God in control. The beautiful thing, we have a king. We do have a king. And from our gospel reading, the king gets in the boat with us. He's in our boat. Whatever, whatever things we think are bothering us, are, whether it's the country or our own personal trials, God is with us. We're not in here alone. God is with us in the boat. He doesn't give us exactly what we want. He doesn't always calm the storm when we want it to be. It's for a better good. It's to strengthen our faith. It's to build up the church. There's all kinds of reasons that he does this. But he's to helping us become holy. So I was looking at, um, again, this, um, what John Paul II was saying, and he had some final words that he was saying. Um, he was really saying, as far as our country, how we should love it. He said, for now, godly love for our country will clarify our vision, enabling us, like John Paul, to see and celebrate our native land's goodness, potential, and true identity. That's what we're really called to do. That's what we're celebrating when we think about Independence Day. The goodness that really is there and where we need to be heroes and stand up for what the church tells us is the best course of action for us. That's love of country knowing that it comes from God. God is in control, and he is who we worship, and we love our country through piety, through honor, and we appreciate what God is doing for us to strengthen our faith.
Let's stand and offer our petitions.